Hello and welcome to the Victory Garden Podcast, where you'll find stories of personal revival and victory. I'm your host, Lael Burns. I'm an artist, and I wanted a space to share about how my work is a reflection of the freedom I've received in Christ, in hopes that my story and art can bring you freedom too. When the Holy Spirit is free to move, He can turn our darkest hour into the most beautiful garden. You can learn more about my art on Instagram at Lael Burns Studio and more about this podcast at Victory Garden Podcast. Also, if you like the music in this podcast, be sure to check out my husband's Twitter at Thad Burns for more. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, and share. Be blessed today. Hello, this is Lael Burns, and I just want to welcome you to the first episode of the Victory Garden podcast, Victory Over Death. I have a lot to share with you, but I believe that if you'll stick with me to the end of this, it will really bless you. So I just want to start off by telling you a story about Lazarus, who is somebody in the Bible from John chapter 11, and I'm just going to paraphrase for the sake of time because I have a lot of scripture that I want to share with you, but Lazarus was a friend of Jesus and he had died and Jesus was out of town. So Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, uh, sent him a message, you know, frantically asking him to come and raise Lazarus from the dead. Well, Jesus, he got the message, but didn't come right away. And by the time he actually made it to Lazarus's tomb, He had already been in there for four days dead and was already stinking. And Mary and Martha were really upset with Jesus saying, you know, why didn't you come sooner? Now he's dead. And Jesus was saddened by their response because of their lack of faith. But nonetheless, he still raised Lazarus from the dead. And, you know, I was reading this story today and the Holy Spirit just really touched me because I thought was thinking like man I am Lazarus I just am I I was dead in my sin my life was rotten and stinking because of my sin I was too far in I didn't know how to get out I didn't know how to get back to God I mean I don't know if you know the story of the prodigal son who had wasted and you know ruined everything good that is father had ever given him it's a picture of of us and God I mean I was him too I totally lived for myself I was dead in my sin totally away from God and you know I had a lot of deep emotional wounds from I would say like a few main places Um, from my father who had left me at two years old And, you know, he had drug and alcohol problems. And it's not that he didn't love me. He did love me and he does love me. He just, you know, there's just always a limit on how far his his love can go. And he just was never really able to love me the way that I needed to be growing up. And and then also I had a big wound 
and my emotions from my former stepfather, who he was in the Marine Corps, and he was really controlling, and he began to sexually abuse me at 11, and just basically controlled every aspect of my life with fear and manipulation. So I went to a private Christian school growing up, and it was in a fancy part of town. And I felt like, you know, that was me during the day. You know, I was surrounded by these kids who seemed to have perfect lives and live in a perfect world. And I just couldn't ever fit into that world. It's like, I, I this is before my, my mom got remarried, but you know, I had a single mom. We lived in an apartment. She was working so hard all the time to take care of us. You know, she just worked all the time and sacrificed so much to provide for me. And um, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up because they would pick me up from school and I would hang out with them until, you know, eight or nine or whatever o'clock while my mom was working so late every day. And, um, you know, a lot of the kids at that school were not kind to me. It made me really angry on the inside. And I just don't have a lot of like good experiences from that place, except for, you know, the art room and the art department. That was always kind of my place to hide. Um, But anyway, so after my mom remarried, we moved to my stepfather's house. And he lived in a different part of town, you know, away from, you know, where their school was. It was, it just felt like a, a parallel universe. Of, of, of like abuse and absurd dysfunction and nobody could see it. I reached out to teachers, you know, in silent passive ways, but, but they couldn't pick up on my cues. And I was just too afraid and ashamed to actually say anything about it. Nobody knew but me and my stepdad. I had told um, a boyfriend at the time when I was 16 and he just, you know, blew it off as my stepdad had kind of worked him into his web of manipulation too. So, you know, I I always looked for acceptance and love from boyfriends and sleeping around. I was bitter, I was angry, I was full of self-hatred and shame. And, you know, I just felt like nobody could see my pain and not even God, it seemed like. And I felt like Well, I would always ask myself, you know, where was God when all this was happening? You know, why did he just sit there and let it all happen? I felt like Mary and Martha yelling at Jesus, why won't you just help me? You know, you must not be coming. And just like Lazarus, I was in an emotional tomb, seemingly long dead, you know, passed by. I mean, I knew about Jesus. I had grown up in church. I was quote unquote saved at the age of eight when my stepdad, um, but when my stepdad came into our lives when I was 10, that little Christian eight-year-old kid just kind of seemed to die. Like I just grew up really fast, I'll put it that way, way too fast. And, you know, I would have seasons of repentance and times of serving the Lord, like later in college. But when I had tried to serve God back then, it's like my motives were flawed. Like I wanted Jesus, but I also wanted my sin and my pain. 
Like I actually wanted it, even though I hated it. You know, sin was still fun to me. And even though my pain was hard, it was just like this familiar friend. It just had become my identity, who I was. And, you know, I just had a hard time relating to other like Christians and just the external aspects of Christianity. I kind of lumped it in with like that school that I went to. And, you know, I just kind of thought of like Christianity as being boring. And even though I knew it was the right thing and I truly believed that I was a Christian deep down and I did have like a sincere sensitivity to the things of God and I had had real experiences with the Holy Spirit where God had revealed himself to me and I just thought that God was someone I could come back to when I wanted to. But because I was hurt and angry, you know, that he would just understand when I needed to go away for a while. And, you know, really what I was saying was God help me with all these problems, but sin is still fun, not, you know, save me because I'm such a sinner. So (laughs) take this sin for me. Um, It's going to send me to hell. You know, that wasn't what I was thinking. I was just thinking, oh, man, like I just need help with all my problems. And so my motive was wrong. And so I just toggled in between two worlds. I was never able to find true deliverance and victory. I was still a slave to sin and death. I was wanting to feel better, but I didn't really care about righteousness. And that is the problem. So I just wanted to read you a scripture from Romans chapter 3. It says, no one is righteous, not even one that no one is truly wise, no one is seeking God, all have turned away, all have become useless, no one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies, snake venom drips on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness, they rush to commit murder, and you know, you could insert hatred there, you know, destruction and misery always follows them they don't know where to find peace and they have no fear of God at all I mean I think in a lot of ways that described me and the Bible says that that describes everybody but I'm talking about me I was a sinner I had sinned against God and yes terrible things had happened to me that were not my fault but I had to take you know, responsibility for my own personal sinning, admit that and be willing to truly let go of it before God could help me because repentance is required. And that was the part that I was missing. Uh, Matthew seven thirteen and 14 says, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. I mean, that is describing repentance. Like when we come to Christ, we have to come on his terms. And that is the narrow way. We have to repent. Uh, Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So again, you know, repentance is required to come to Jesus. So one of the questions that, you know, I would 
if I could go back and ask myself back then a question now is what I would say. I would say, you know, but why, why do we care? Why care about repenting and getting right with God? Why does it even matter? Well, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. Hebrews 9.27 says, And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. Psalm 7.11 says, God is a just judge and God is angry with the wicked every day. And Romans 2.5 says, But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So that's why it's a big deal, because God is a good judge, and he has a perfect standard that he holds everyone to in the same way. The Ten Commandments. Do not lie. Do not steal. Do not covet. Do not lust. Do not hate. I mean, he says that if you have lust in your heart, it's the same as adultery. If you have hate in your heart, it's the same as murder. Um, blaspheming the name of God, dishonoring our parents, and on and on. I mean, I did all those things. I broke his law. And yes, I was hurting, and rightfully so. But I still broke his laws, and my sin was standing in between me and the God who made me. And that is the problem. The wages for my sin was going to be death, and I would have to pay for that sin in eternity in hell and you know that's something that should concern us and our sin is a problem and god has to judge it but the good thing about god is that he is love romans 5 8 says but god showed his great love for us by sending christ to die for us while we were still sinners first timothy 2 5 says for there is one god and there is one mediator between god and men the man christ jesus so god had sent his son jesus to pay the fine for my sin he took the father's wrath that i deserved and he took it on his own body on the cross he took my sin he took my death he did it already. God shows us our need for him because he loves us. He brings conviction of sin because he loves us. He doesn't want to judge us. He already paid for that. But we have to see our sin as a problem. We have to repent of it and we have to put our trust in him and just receive what he did as a free gift. Romans 3.24 says, Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And I just want to add, you know, after reading that scripture, see, Jesus is offering us an exchange, a really good exchange. He's rescuing us from the kingdom of darkness, and he's transferring us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So God is offering this amazing exchange where he's taking our sinful, nasty life and giving us his righteousness and a brand new life. And, you know, it's a free gift. It's eternal life. 
and it's only through Christ Jesus. Now, the other thing about salvation that I want to point out here is that, you know, salvation is of the Lord. Like we can't say, you know, well, okay, I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to like, I know Jesus is the only way. So check mark, I'm saved. God still has to do the saving. When I was 27 years old, I had this encounter with God. I mean, I was in the height of running, running, running. I feel like I finally came to the end, but I really wasn't thinking about God at all. One day, I just had this encounter with God where the Holy Spirit just filled up the room. But it was different than any other experience I had ever had with God because it was like the fear of God was there. It was like really intense. And it was like the father himself was speaking to me. And he just told me like, you have to choose, you have to decide. Because like I said, I, I had kind of ping ponged back and forth my whole life. And there was just this sense of finality to it. Like this was going to be my last chance, like my last call sort of thing. And it was like, he, Jesus, just like in the story of Lazarus, you know, at the end of that story, you know, it says that he cried out with a loud voice talking about Jesus. He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And then that is when Lazarus came out of the tomb. That was like my moment, my Lazarus come out moment. It was like God was calling me out. It's like, Lael, come out of darkness. You have to decide. And because the fear of God was on it, like I knew, you know, like all of a sudden I just had this very clear understanding of like I am in sin. I need to repent and I need to come to the Lord for real. Like no more messing around. It's like now or never. Um, so that's what happened to me when I was 27. And, you know, Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I mean, when I first had that encounter with God, I had this initial refreshing of joy and peace with God at first. I mean, it was just like the war with me and God was over. Like I knew I was with him and I knew that he was with me and that he loved me and that he had taken me back. And I had finally found my way back to him. But I had still so many problems like in my emotions and in my mind. Um, I mean, there are things that, you know, initially he just kind of sovereignly changed in me. Like I literally had been sober for an entire 24 hour period in several years because I was just suppressing my emotional pain and but it was like as soon as I crossed over that threshold it was like I was just able to quit drinking you know I wasn't getting high anymore I just got rid of these anxiety uh, pills I have been taking I mean just all this stuff I just I just remember I like flushed it all down the toilet just didn't need it anymore and but I still it's like God gave me a new desire in my heart to want to serve him and to want righteousness 
but I still had all these problems with my emotions in my mind because of all the abuse that I had gone through. And a lot of the reason I was hesitant to come to the Lord to begin with was because I didn't want to deal with it. It's like when you're born again, your spirit is born again, but your mind and your emotions, they have to catch up. So, you know, like I said, I was in Kansas City. So the Lord told me to move back to Texas and live in with my mom, which I really didn't want to do. I mean, I was really independent, doing my own thing. I was 27. I was out trying to find a job as an art professor. You know, I had just gotten out of grad school the year before that. And Texas was, you know, the source of all of my problems were there. You know, but it didn't take long where I just conveniently ran out of money. and <laughs> I just couldn't find like a decent job there. And I, it kind of just pinned me up against the wall where I didn't really have anywhere else to go. It's funny how, you know, God starts directing our life, you know, <laughs> when he's in charge. So he really wanted me back in Texas. So I came back and for the next eight months or so in Texas, after that, the Lord brought me through this intense season of inner healing and deliverance. Like it would take me a, a long time to explain all that he did that year. And perhaps I'll tell you another time. But the point is this, that God resurrected my spirit. Then he started resurrecting the rest of me. Like God is so faithful. I still remember that little girl who was being abused and crying out, Lord, help me. It's like she was finally being helped. And because I had finally put myself in a position to receive help, coming through the cross and you know it could have happened sooner but I was stubborn and I have been afraid to open myself up to God I have been afraid to look at my pain I had not been willing to truly repent I, I really didn't have a revelation of the weight of my sin that it offended God and that you know he cared about it <laughs> you know um, I always had kind of had that like once saved, always saved kind of mentality. But, you know, the Lord had to step in and show me like, you're not <laughs> you're, like, we're not really good right now. And, you know, the finality of that really is what shook me awake and put the fear of God in me. And that's really, really what I needed. And that's why I spent some time at the beginning of this podcast kind of going through like all those scriptures, you know, because I just want you to see that that our sin really is a problem. And that is why we need the blood of Jesus. You know, we need to repent so times of refreshing can come. But like people who aren't thirsty aren't going to be refreshed. You know what I mean? And it's like God shows us our sin so we see our need for him so that when he finally saves us because we see that we need him, like it's so good, you know. So like I said, you know, I finally had this encounter with the fear of God that kind of pushed me over the edge, you know, but my season of deliverance had finally come and really it had just started because as long as I've been you know, really saved and just open to him, you know, he's taking me through waves and waves of freedom and deliverance. And I feel like that is what I have to give away to people. The Bible says 
in Matthew 10, 8, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cure the leper, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. And I want to give this freedom God has given me. I want to be used of God. I want to see others who are lost in their sin and pain, find resurrection, freedom, salvation, you know, and victory in Jesus. So that's really the purpose of this podcast, to give away what the Lord has so freely given me. And I felt like before I could move on to other subjects and victories that God has given me, I just wanted to start with this one, you know, victory over death, because until we're truly born again, we can't receive the help that the Lord has for us. All of our help is wrapped up in the blood of Jesus. It's it's the only thing that can break us out of the kingdom of darkness and into a kingdom of redemption and love. You know, I was even just thinking just recently about this you know, idea of being resurrected with Jesus and how we're literally, when we're born again, we are literally a new person. Like our spirit man is remade into a new person that is resurrected with Jesus. Like Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for our sins. So, so he takes our sin on the cross, it it dies with him in that way. And just like he resurrected out of the tomb, just like Lazarus resurrected out of the tomb, like we literally are resurrected with Christ. Like we are a new creation. Like we have complete victory over death at that point. Like we are new people. The old is gone. We are just a totally new creation in Christ Jesus, but just, but just that revelation of just being resurrected with Christ and all that that means. I mean, there's so much I could say about that, but that is the ultimate victory over death right there. And even if you just, you know, as an artist, look at the work that I was making when I was, you know, in grad school and kind of at the height of, of running from the Lord and the stuff that I'm making now and all that I've been through with, with the Lord over the past like 13, 14, whatever, however many years it's been now, um, you know, just you can see a, a total resurrection even in the work that I've made. And, and it's just so beautiful the way that God changes every part of us on the inside and then it just starts to affect everything on the outside. In fact, I'll put um, an image over on my Instagram for this podcast that just shows you just a parallel of those two worlds. And you can see victory over death right there. I mean, visually, you can see it right before your eyes. So I will leave you with that for today. Thank you so much for listening to the Victory Garden podcast. Follow me on Instagram, on Twitter at Victory Garden Podcast, and I'm going to leave you with a song that my husband wrote called Enter, that's off of his new album, but it's based off of Matthew 7, uh, that scripture that we were talking about earlier, and I hope it blesses you. Have a great day. Enter.